Welcome to the Fit Pro Business Podcast, where you'll receive sales, marketing, and business building tips from industry leaders that will help you take your business to the next level. Head over to fitprobusiness.com to receive your free three-part video series on how to attract more qualified leads, schedule more consultations, and close more sales. Now, here's your host, the -the in-the-trenches fitness business owner, Andy Salazar. Hello, and thanks for listening. As you know, ratings and reviews are very important to the show, so stop what you're doing and head over to fitprobusiness.com backslash iTunes and leave a review. Hello, FitPro podcast listeners. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. Uh, Today I have the great privilege of interviewing Jody Rumack. Jody is a fitness business maximizer. She's very passionate about helping the fitness industry. She helps fitness business owners and wants to pay forward all of the information and knowledge that she has. Um, she has learned how to run multiple six-figure businesses, and she is very keen on knowing how to hire and grow your business. So uh, welcome to the show, Jody. Thanks so much for having me. Um, that was a very brief intro about who you are and what you're up to these days. Would you mind uh, telling the audience a little bit more about your backstory and what you're doing in the fitness industry currently? Yeah, absolutely. So my, I guess my fitness career started as a competitive figure skater when I was a kid and got involved in fitness and nutrition and all of that stuff at that time. Um, I started as a personal trainer back in 2003 and worked through the corporate world into a fitness manager. I opened um, fitness clubs all over Canada, so more than 80 clubs and really worked with the personal training departments there. So I did a ton of hiring, onboarding, training the new staff. I think it's over a thousand staff now. And, um, and then was also a regional manager for the biggest corporate facility in Canada. And, um, yeah, so lots of experience with the management side, with the hiring, with keeping people and all that great stuff. And, um, now I'm doing fitness business consulting. So just helping, other studios and gyms be able to maximize their businesses and get to those six-figure, multi-six-figure levels that they're really looking for. Great. That's awesome. Thank you uh, for elaborating on that intro for us and letting us all know uh, where you're coming from. Uh, You know, one of the things I really like to do as far as this podcast is deliver, you know, on some of the things that really move move the people that I have um, that I'm interviewing. And um, one of the ways I do that is with what, what... Leading into, what is your favorite quote? Yeah, so I have lots, but one of my favorites is by Lee Iacocca, and he said, I hire people brighter than me, and then I get out of their way. And I think this one is so huge for us because, you know, we really want to make sure that we're hiring great people and then letting them do what they need to do so that as the entrepreneur, we're not spending 16 hours a day in the club and trying to do everything ourselves and all of that stuff. So I think this one really sticks with me. Right. And if you had to pick one key to business success, uh, what would that be? I think it's right in line with the quote. I would say it is hiring the right people and being able to delegate out and empower your team to run the club so that you can actually be the entrepreneur and live the life that you love and still make great money and help pay it forward as well by teaching the people who are working for you how to run successful personal training businesses. Right. Yeah, that is just really key. That's awesome advice. You know, 
that's exactly the direction I want to go with this interview is, you know, really teaching personal trainers how to hire the right people. You know, a lot of times we start these businesses and uh, we ended up, up becoming a slave to the business and it really takes out the love of Absolutely. the reason why we started the business in the first place, which was to help people. But, you know, anybody working 12, 14 hour days um, gets to be really long days and can be very tiring, especially maybe really still enjoying clients and training clients, but not having time to do, you know, business building things or, you know, the financials or paper paperwork. So, um, you know, hiring and surrounding yourself with the right people is key. So that's exactly um, what I want this interview to teach, you know, personal trainers and fitness business owners, uh, you know, how to hire the right people. Definitely. Now, how does an owner know if it's the right time to start hiring? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I see all the time is people who are running a one-man show. They've got their studio. They're building, building, building. They have all these clients. And then all of a sudden, they need somebody. And the trick is that they don't have time to actually sit down and figure out who they want, how they're going to find them, conduct the interviews, and all of that. So I think one of the most important in terms of knowing when to start hiring, I think you want to do it when you're not completely full working, you know, your 60, 70 an hour weeks. I think you want to start looking a little bit earlier than that. Even if you only hire somebody on for, you know, 10 hours a week as like a floor staff person or someone who is in some uh, internship type scenario where they're shadowing and they're learning, um, I would say you want to start hiring your people when you're still working, you know, maybe it's 20 or maybe it's 30 hours, depending on what you've got going on um, before you're totally packed and you don't have time to find them or teach them how to be a part of your business. Once you hire them, is there a profitability that the business should be at prior to looking into bringing in a staff? Cause I know um, even from my own experience there, there, when I was really early on, you know, I thought, you know, I'll just bring on a staff member. They're going to help enhance my business and it's going to increase my uh, income. Um, when in actuality, it just took away from my own personal income at that time. What At what point do they know when to – what income they need to be at in order to possibly bring somebody in and be able to pay them comfortably? Really good question. You know, it's tough to give a hard and fast answer on that one because there are so many variables. Um, you know, there's definitely something to be said about going ahead and bringing somebody on a little bit early. Maybe you need them because of the hiring process, because of the ability to have time to teach them and all of that. Um, but of course, you do want to make sure that you've got enough to pay them for the next, you know, three months so that you're not putting yourself in a situation where you're going to have to turn around to them and say, sorry, I can't pay you down the road. Right. So I think you need to have enough of a push in there um, from the time you bring them on to the time that it's going to take you to fill them. So I think it also depends on what's going on with your lead generation. Are you so full with people coming through your door that you actually need somebody else right now? Or is it slower, but you just want to start building your, you know, your team? Like it just depends what's going on with you, but certainly you want to make sure I would say you have a minimum of three months worth of pay ready to go for them before you bring them on. Awesome. Now, how do they know who they should be hiring? Yeah, good question. So I think this is um, this is really important, and I think everyone needs to kind of look at their own business and figure out what's really important to them. And the way that I usually do this is I break it down into characteristics, skills, and certifications. 
And I do this every single time I hire someone new. So it may not be the same when I hire the first person as when I hire the third or fourth. Um, so I would look at the characteristics, you know, are they friendly? Are they outgoing? Are they creative? Are they organized? Like, what are the things that you need? And often, especially when you're hiring the first person, you want it to be things that are opposite of you. Right. So that you can do certain things and then they're going to be really good at other things. So I think that's something to think about. And as you grow, that might be different. Um, and then I look at the skill set. So, you know, depending on the type of clientele that you have, do I absolutely need somebody who knows how to teach Olympic lifting? Or can I hire somebody who you know, maybe has a really great attitude, wants to learn, wants to grow, has their basic certification, and I can teach them? Like, do I... Right. Go so ahead. It gives you that opportunity to, say, mentor them into your specific business and niche. Exactly. So I think, like, looking at the characteristics you want, looking at the skill set that they bring, and then the search. So again, like... If you're running a gym that is specific to powerlifters, you may require that they have a powerlifting type of certification, right. you know, so just looking at those three areas and doing it every time that you um, go to interview. And then the next step would really be to design the interview around finding out if they have those things. Right. So basically looking at your potential hiree as somebody that fits well into what your business model is and as somebody that you can place put in place and have them model um, what you are trying to do or grow or, or as far as build your culture within your business and service the clientele the way that you want them to be serviced. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's a key point because, you know, one of the other things we often talk about is hiring for, you know, attitude or hiring for skill. So I think this is key when you're trying to figure out exactly what you want. You know, is it more important that they have a great attitude and they want to learn, they get along well with other people and they're problem solvers, or is it more important that they have, you know, their kettlebell certification or their TRX certification, mm -hmm. right? So just figuring out what's going to be the primary goal for you. Right. And uh, I know within my business, one of the things I always try to figure out is how can I keep my employees, you know, happy and satisfied and growing? What are some of the strategies that owners could do to keep trainers, keep them, hire them, keep them happy, keep them satisfied, and also keep them inspired to, you know, help you grow your business? Yeah, absolutely. There are three words that, um, that I think about a lot, and it's get, keep, and grow. So it's finding them, how to keep them, and how to help them grow. And I think it starts, the number one thing I would say after you've hired them is goal setting. So if you're a fitness business owner and you have staff and you don't know what their goals are, that would be the first thing that I would do. So you want to make sure that you understand what drives these people, right? Like maybe money drives you. But it may not drive them. Maybe what they care about is that they helped this client. Maybe what they care about is, um, you know, they got great feedback from their clients. So you have to know what's important to them and then make a concerted effort to kind of tap into those things. Um, so that would definitely be the first one. Uh, I think the next step is really, again, it'll tie back into the quote, is really empowering everybody. So you know, I, I always tell this story because I remember when I first started working in a really big club, 150,000 square feet, my boss would almost never give me an answer. 
I'd always go to him and I'd ask him, you know, what do I do about this or what do I do about that? And 99% of the time he would just say, well, what do you think you should do? And I'd give him my answer and he'd say, great, why don't you go and try that? Right? He's like, you're smart. You know what you're doing. Figure it out. So I think from that, he really empowered me to believe in myself and to make my own decisions. And what it did was it made me loyal to him. It made me want to stay. It made me want to work really hard for him. But it also freed up his time because it meant that every time a decision had to be made, I didn't need to ask him anymore. Right. So what kind of pats on the back would benefit you know business owners to give their staff uh, in order to keep them motivated and inspired. I know, you, like you said, certain people are motivated by different things. What have you seen is the best thing that fitness business owners can do to engage their staff and also have them be motivated? Yeah, great question. Um, there are, you know, there are so many sources of influence that are kind of going on, and so I think again, it's really about getting to know your staff and finding out how they want to be recognized. So, you know, for some people, it might be being at the top of the sales list and they want it posted in front of everyone so everyone can see. And some people, it might be that they actually receive a certificate or they receive some kind of like physical thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some people might want to be recognized in front of the group and others might want to be recognized just one on one with just a simple thank you and maybe a gift card. So. I think there are lots of different variables and things that you can do for your staff. And again, it will all depend on that person and what really motivates them. And it's up to you as a fitness business owner to, to know that stuff and to ask those things so that you can keep everybody motivated in their own way. Right. So one of the biggest things is just uh, giving regular recognition for a job well done or meeting a specific goal. Uh, Recognition to your staff goes a really long ways. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be something major, right? It can just be, you know, I noticed how well you were interacting with your client today. She seemed really happy with the workout, you know, way to go. Tell me what you were doing with her, right? People want to talk about what they're doing. They want to talk about why things are going the way that they are. So sometimes just something as simple as that, right? They're not getting anything. They're just, they're just knowing that the boss noticed. Right, so it could be simple. Right, and I kind of would like to take a little bit of a step back. You know, a lot of personal trainers um, bring in staff members and they don't have any sort of systems in place for, you know, making sure that, you know, things are getting done the way that they want done because I know, I again, I can relate this back to when I first started my business, you know, when I brought yeah. on my first staff member and, um, you know, I just thought, hey, he's going to watch what I do, he's going to do the things that I do and that's <laughs> just – not true without it being documented and in place, you know, people, nobody's going to run your business or treat clients the way, exactly the way that you do. Um, so you really, I I think, you know, just taking steps back for people who are in business, maybe by themselves right now that are looking to add a staff member, what recommendations do you advise as far as putting together some sort of employee packet or, um, things that they should be following in advance to hiring somebody because I know that would have really benefited myself when I was looking to hire somebody in the very start of my business. If I'd have had those things in place first, you know, I probably would have had a lot more success with the handful of trainers I brought in originally. Okay. Yeah. Awesome questions. 
Um, yeah, I think before you bring somebody in, you know, a lot of people are hiring without having contracts. Mm-hmm. So I'd make sure you have one. You know, it doesn't need to be anything fancy. You don't even necessarily have to have a lawyer do it. I'm not necessarily promoting that. Mm-hmm. I would say do check it with a lawyer if you can. But, you know, get the basics in there. When are they starting? Do they have, you know, any kind of, any kind of probational period? You know, how does it work for vacation? How do they get paid? When do they get paid? You know, what, what, um, what are the expectations of the position? So I think that needs to be really clear, like including everything from what time they arrive to what they're wearing to how the sessions work. All that stuff should be prepared beforehand because the, the thing is that things get tricky when people aren't following through on the expectations. But if the expectations don't exist in the first place, it's really hard to have somebody it's really hard to to be the person to be able to follow up on that because you weren't clear from the beginning. Right. So you just want to be, you, you want to make sure that you have the expectations of the rule in writing and you're having that as part of the agreement that they're signing. I see. So what's the best way um, to bring a new trainer on board? Yeah, great question. So again, like I said, the goal setting would be one of the first things that I would do. I would recommend you do it outside of the facility. So take them for coffee, go for lunch, you know, do your goal setting there. Um, And then I think the key thing here, just like you said with the systems, is you really want to have a schedule for them. You want to have it outlined. You want them to know exactly what they're doing every single day. So it's not, oh, yeah, show up around 10 and we'll see how the day goes. And, you know, I might have plants here. I might have plants there. I I think I have a console at four. You could stick around for that. You know, it's got to be it's got to be structured. And and I think some of the topics that you want to include are things like, um, you know, teaching the basics of how the club runs. So the operations, if you have maybe a front desk or a receptionist, maybe they spend some time with them as well. You know, they're shadowing trainers, you or others. They are reading, you know, if you guys have some really great articles that you like, whether it's about program design or whether it's about other exercise components or whether it's about the business. Like, I usually like to keep a binder of of reading stuff um, or websites that you want people to go to. So I think it's got to be a combination of integrating the club with each of the different uh, departments of them, but also having them shadow and having them learn and having that be a regular part of what they do. Right. So basically, ultimately, it comes down to sitting down with them, putting out their goals on paper, them knowing what's expected of them in advance, continuing education with them, and monitoring with the management or with the other staff members, as well as um, just making sure that they know what the business stands for and what the culture culture is. Yeah, good. That's a good one to, to be really clear about is making sure that they're, they're knowing what the mission is, what the vision is. And, and those are things that you want to have prepared as well. So if you don't have, you know, a manual already, that would be something that you could start that manual with right. is start with the vision and start with the mission and what you guys are doing in your particular studio or club. Right, and that'll bring them on board with the, what the bigger picture is of what you see for your business and for um, your clientele and your staff, what your ultimate vision is for your business. Exactly. 
Another thing, uh, you know, I didn't touch on, but you mentioned schedule, and I, I think this is really huge for personal trainers, whether you're running your business or you're an independent contractor or an employee. Is I, I've said this before in the past, it's very important to have a set schedule. You know, a lot of times these trainers, you know, are the, they're only coming in when clients are coming in. But for myself, one of the biggest things in my business that helped me grow the most and was to just set work hours. You know, if I'm at work at 5 a.m. and I don't have clients, then I'm, you know, I could be marketing. I could be looking at ways I can build my build my business, you know, personal development. So yeah. it's key to set work hours. And also, I think for my clientele, this established a specific schedule where they knew they can either text me or call me and come in during that time and I was going to be there. So exactly. I think that's really key in, you know, growing your business and also monitoring staff is having a set schedule. Totally agree. 100%. Now, how does a business owner know what to focus on each week? Yeah, good. Um, I think this one starts with, I usually do a 90-day plan. I find if you try to plan after that, it's just things change so often that, you know, it usually doesn't work out the way that you thought anyways. So I, I like people to start with a 90-day plan. So just as an example, let's say you're trying to you're really trying to grow and you're looking to bring on three trainers. We'll keep the math simple. Three trainers in the next three months. So one trainer a month. So in for this particular you know, scenario, you know you need to bring on one trainer every month, and you know you know that you need to do more interviews than that, maybe five or ten interviews in order to find that one person. So each week, you might have a goal of interviewing three or four people. So that might be your weekly goal. And then your daily goal is the things that you're going to need to do in order to make that happen. So whether it's putting up job posts, whether it's going to job fairs, whether it's, you know, reaching out to other local fitness posts to see if they know somebody, like the activities and the things that you need to do to make those goals happen. So I think like if you can start with that 90 day plan and be really clear about what you want to achieve, then you can work backwards and break it down, kind of reverse engineer it so that you can figure out what you need to do each day in order to make sure that you achieve the goal within the three months. Right. There's something magic within that 90 day number. I mean, you see it, you know, we market 90 day programs for our own <laughs> personal training businesses. Um, I'm sure a lot of other personal trainers and fitness business owners do the same thing. Another yeah. program that I'm involved in is called what we, we do what's called a 90 day blitz where we map out you know what our goals are over the next 90 days. So there's something magical from for setting that 90 day mark and putting projections in there that you want to obtain in those 90 days. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. It just keeps the focus a little bit easier, right? Like I couldn't even imagine at this point trying to tell somebody exactly, you know, what I would have done or what I'm going to do in a year. It's just too far out. Like things change so much. But I think one thing. Um, that I really took away was having like, um, the cue cards. I don't know if you do this, but having cue cards and doing like a five things a day that need oh, to yes. get done. I just actually just started that. This funny story. Cause Jody and I met at uh, fit pro <laughs> at the, uh, fitness, uh, business summit, uh, this last week by idea. And it was actually two weeks ago. And that was yeah. one of the key points. And I've been doing that every morning, doing my top five priorities. Yeah. And, um, it's been awesome. I've really been getting a lot accomplished, and uh, wasting a lot less time because I'm focused on what I want to get done for that day with those, to, with those top five. Yeah, awesome. So, like, what I did with mine is I decided to kind of break it down. So now I have, like, my 
big tasks, like my critical thing that's going to happen first thing in the morning. Uh-huh. I have my smaller business task would be like my second card. I do a health card. So like, what am I doing for my own health? Is it going to bed earlier? Is it eating clean today? Is it drinking more water? Whatever. Um, and then you have a personal one. So this could be like getting my workout in, going to get a massage, like whatever personal thing I need to do for myself, spending time with my family and then connect. Who do I need to talk to today? Is it following up with a client? Is it following up with a prospective client? Is it calling back a previous client to get them back in? Like who am I connecting with today? So that's kind of what I've started doing since the conference. And that's, that's the thing really well. Right. And that's also something fitness business owners can do um, to monitor their staff. If there's one of those keys in there that they know is going to help grow themselves and their staff, they can have that in their top five through the day and check in with that. Absolutely. Love it. Now, um, another thing for a lot of fitness business owners, you know, we wear a lot of hats within our business, you know, especially when you're first starting, you're not only doing your accounting, you're training clients, you're responsible for your cleaning. I mean, you name it, we do it all. So um, one of the things, you know, we run out of time in the day and we don't, you know, things get left undone. When we bring on staff members, what are some of the ways that we can get more done in a day or have um, more product, be more productive? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think like you, you once said one of the key things that you wear so many hats all day. And I know that for me, one of the biggest keys when I started managing more and more people and would have teams of 20 sometimes that one of the key things was to really chunk my time. And so if I was, let's say I was running one-on-one meetings with each of my trainers, I always tried to do, let's say five or six of them back to back. So instead of doing one here, having a half an hour break, doing another, another on another day, like I really tried to get them chunked together so I could focus and stay on the same thing for a little bit longer. Um, and that definitely helped my productivity and helped me not to be as exhausted at the end of the day. So when I was trying to do other things, I was getting them done instead of having like brain fog (laughs) and not being able to get things done. Um, so I think that's like one of the biggest ones and, and it's really all in the planning. So, you know, Sunday night is sort of like a ritual night for me. Even now I do it, but I did it when I was a fitness manager. I did it when I was a regional manager as well. Take a look at what happened last week. What do you need to happen this week? What are the key things that need to get done? And I always slot them into my schedule. With that, I think the one trick that I've used is I try to allot the amount of time that I'm putting in into something in relation to how big of a project it is. So if it's a smaller project, maybe I can work on it for half an hour. If it's a bigger project, I like to block off, you know, let's say a two hour, one and a half hour block. Right. So that's something else that I've done that is really helped. So chunking out time and getting the specific objective done at that time and not having other distractions in place. Yes. I I know another thing, you know, for fitness business owners that are looking to grow their businesses is we have a hard time letting go of specific tasks that somebody else is fully capable of doing, especially when we bring on staff members. What advice can you give as far as um, letting go, one, letting go of those lower level tasks and also um, being comfortable with delegating those things out and knowing that they're going to get done? Sure. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that if you want to delegate out a certain task, you know, there's going to be trial and error. You may not find the perfect person right away. It's okay. We all kind of go through that part of it. Um, but I think you really need to sit down and figure out what are the things that could be done by somebody else. They don't have to be done by you mm-hmm. and that take up the most time and start with those. You know, if you're working with somebody who is in your club, one really easy way to feel like you can trust them is to just start them by shadowing you, have them work with you, have them do it with you. And it's kind of like a, you know, a three-step approach where it's like, okay, come and shadow me, watch what I do and then you do it I'm gonna watch what you do make sure everything's cool Mm -hmm. and then once you feel comfortable that it is then you can let them go on their own right and I think ultimately what it comes down to is you as the business owner you should stay focused on the things that are going to continue to increase your income bring in clientele and grow your business and any lower level tasks that you can delegate that don't require don't don't involve you your keys to building your business Mm -hmm. You should let go and let somebody else do. Do would you agree with that? Agree. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, you know, we've covered a lot as far as bringing in the right client, people, knowing what to look for, you know, having systems in place so that you can get off on the right foot. Um, what, yeah. what, if any, do you have any books or recommendations out there that somebody could learn more about, you know, hiring and also growing their business? Yeah, definitely. I think that. The keys for me are really in the management side of it, mm-hmm. and the books that have really made the biggest difference for me have been the management books. So the the first one is just called The One Minute Manager um, by Ken Blanchard, and it, it's a classic. It's one of the ones that I go back to, I'd say at least once a year, reread it. It's a really easy read, um, but it will definitely help you be able to um, acknowledge your staff like we were talking about before mm-hmm. and teach you how to also follow up when things aren't going the way that you want them to. Um, so that's a really great one to start with. And then the other two are I would use um, one after the other. I deal with a book called Crucial Conversations mm-hmm. and then move to Crucial Accountability, which are which is by Carrie Patterson and a bunch of other people. But Carrie Patterson is the key, the key person there. And those two books are really about, you know, a lot about motivation, a lot about influence, and a lot about how how to have those accountability conversations when people aren't doing the things that they need to do, but making it a productive conversation where the relationship actually grows instead of, you know, creating friction or creating problems thereafter. So those two books really changed the way that I managed and really changed the way that I interacted with my people in business, but also in life. Mm-hmm. Um, two, two huge game-changing books right there. Awesome. I'm going to include those in the notes for our listeners. You know, one of the big things here yeah. at Fit Pro Business, we highly recommend that all of the business owners are in some sort of um, self-help or business building book each each month, each week, however many you can get through because the more yeah. we learn, the more we can apply to our businesses and the more we can grow. You know, it's not just about the physical as far as like we all know how to train. We probably are very passionate about training. We all right. learn a lot about training. But also if you're, look, if you're building a business, you have to do the business side of it as well. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to include these in the notes and I would highly recommend picking up these books and I think I, I will be picking them up for myself as well. <laughs> Okay, awesome. I'm going to actually jump in and add one more, sure. uh, which a lot of people have probably heard of, but it's called The E-Myth. Oh, yeah. 
E-Myth. So if you haven't heard of the E-Myth or you haven't read it yet, you need to read it because that one is huge on, you know, getting people to stop doing all of the tasks and really move into that entrepreneurial role and, and, uh, and figuring out how to do that and showing the importance of doing that. So that's a big one too, the E-Myth. Um, Michael Gerber is the author on that one. Right now, a big term in our industry right now and in business is how to build, you know, the right culture for your business and around your team. How do you recommend a business owner go about, you know, providing the right culture and bringing in the right member that's going to, you know, enhance the culture and and build the business? Yeah, sure. Um, I think there are a couple of key things here. I think one is as a business owner. You want to make sure that, you know, a lot of people say I have an open door policy. People can talk to me about anything, um, that kind of stuff. But when you do that, I think it's really important to make sure that the staff do feel safe to come and talk to you about things, that you're, um, you know, listening to all of their ideas. Whether you're going to implement them or not doesn't really matter at the time. It's more about I'm listening to you. I'm hearing what you have to say. And if you decide to their idea that's great amazing let them know thank them you know you can do some kind of um thank you if you want to in a card or a gift card or whatever um but also making sure that if you don't use their ideas you're still thanking them for bringing it to you and letting them know why you decided not to use it i think that's really important um so not just saying yeah i have an open door policy but really practicing that and making sure that it's safe for people to speak up i think that's a big one Um, and the other thing that really worked for me, you know, when I was finishing my last few years in the corporate world, I had 13 clubs that I was working with and we had calls every single day in the morning with 13 managers on the call. And I think one of the biggest things for us was, you know, my group happened to be geographically spread out. You know, some people were eight hours away. And one of the best things that we did was to figure out what each person was really, really good at. And by doing that, you know, people started to respect each other for what they were good at. And, and what was great about it was that, you know, it created these relationships, it created respect for each other. But on my end, it also created a scenario where people didn't feel they needed to ask me. They could go to the other manager who they knew was really good at hiring or someone else who was really good at sales or someone else who was really good at you know, doing the organizational statistics and all that kind of side of things. So it took a lot off my plate, but it also allowed people to really get to know each other and respect each other for what they were the best at. Right. And, you know, one of the things uh, as far as building a culture and building a team is just really getting your staff member's opinion. And like you said, and even if you don't apply, at least they feel like you're listening um, and they have a voice. Absolutely. And getting their feedback on your ideas as well, right? So it's great to ask them for theirs. And then when you put out something, to have them give you their feedback on yours. Right. And it's important to let them know that this is a team. This isn't, you know, I make all the decisions. This is a one-man show. What I say goes. It's collaboration. And ultimately, you know, the more collaboration you can get, the the more you can grow and the better you can build your business. Definitely. Now, I, I believe it's Dave Ramsey that says says this, I hear him say it all the time, is uh, hire slow and fire fast. Um, what is your advice or recommendations in regards to that? Or what do you think he means by that? 
funny that you bring that up actually because I, I wrote an article not too long ago that that was the biggest lie in fitness. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll explain myself in that, you know, higher, slow, and fire fast, that's what people say. Uh-huh. I do agree um, in the sense that, you know, you don't want to just hire a body to hire a body. You want to make sure they're the right person and all that stuff. So in that sense, absolutely take your time to do it. And if they're not working out, get rid of them. I agree with that. However, on the flip side, if you are hiring, my suggestion is you actually hire fast when it comes to how you organize your time and getting the offers out. So when I try to hire, I try to book as many interviews as close together as possible so that, A, I'm seeing people back to back to back and I can really be able to kind of, for lack of a better word, compare them to each other, um, really be able to see what's going on so I remember really well. And you want to get the offers out because when you find somebody good, you don't want them waiting for two weeks while you're doing more interviews. So in that way, you want to hire fast. When you find someone good and you like them, get the offer out, get it done, and get them started. Right, but at the, on the back end of that is, you know, from a business perspective, you know, that's something that you've planned out. That position is available. You're not waiting till you're desperate to hire somebody, you know, Absolutely. to do that interview. So yes. you're taking the time to hire um, to interview multiple people and make the best selection for your business. So, uh, you know, what I see a lot of times is personal trainers like they're overwhelmed. They bring on the first guy that walks in the door because you know they don't have the network and a lot of times you know you're lucky if that works out and most of the time it doesn't because you didn't go through the proper preparation uh, required to make sure that you were hiring the correct person yeah that's exactly it and i think some things are even when you post the job posting i see a lot of people who just post it but there's no expiry date so it's just posted and it's like yeah we're looking but there's no urgency and so when that happens people aren't applying quickly enough. So when I put out a job posting, I always put a one week deadline for their applications. Mm -hmm. And so that way there is some urgency and that allows me to be able to book them, you know, more closely together. Um, You know, and I know people are busy, but if you can block off a Saturday or a Sunday, Mm -hmm. whichever one it is, block it off and just do them back to back because you know, if anybody isn't going to be available for you on a Saturday or Sunday to do the interview, they shouldn't be working for you anyways because they're going to need to work on the weekend. Now, uh, as far as interviews, I know you've done, you know, lots of them. Is there any specific, like, say, magic number that you're looking to get people in, say, whether that's five people to interview, ten people to interview? Have you noticed anything over your time of, like, what the magic number is to select the right person? Yeah, good question. Um, I think it goes with the process that you use. So for example, when I do my interview process, I always start with a phone interview first and it's about 20 minutes and I cover the basics of what people, the the things that can't, so what the pay is, how many hours they need to work, how far away do they live, you know, what is their drive for wanting to work for my company? Why do they want to be a personal trainer? So I have a list of things that won't change. So I try to get those out of the way first. Uh And so if you're good on that, then I move you to the in-person interview. So I might have a ton of the phone interviews, maybe 10 or 15, but I might only move four or five people forward. 
So by having that kind of process of elimination, it makes it a lot easier. And I'm not spending an hour long interview just to find out that this person can't work the hours that I need them to work. Okay. Or just to find out that, you know, they want to get paid 25 bucks, but I'm paying 18. So it's uh, what you're looking at is like a two-step process as far as the interview. So It would actually end up being three because I would do a practical interview, third interview. Okay. But I would say if you want some numbers, I would probably say 10 would become five would become one. Okay. Got it. So a three-step process, one would be the phone interview where you get a lot of the details out of the way, two would yeah. be an inter- in-person interview, and then three would be a practical interview where they may be training a client or you kind of see them interact with the staff. You got it. Awesome. Now, um, we've covered a lot in this interview as far as hiring and, you know, I know you're in Canada and I'm in California and um, yeah. a lot of smaller personal trainers what they do is they'll bring on independent contractors opposed to hiring um, a staff member that would be a W-2 staff member. Um, yeah. Do you have any um, advice or recommendations in regards to, um, you know, one, maybe what the difference is, and two, like how to bring that independent contractor who's somewhat running their own business underneath your business and still apply all of the things that say an employee would, that would be within, you know, the guidelines. Yeah. So this is a bit of a tricky one. The biggest difference between an employee and a contractor is that with an employee, you get to dictate the way that they happen. It would be up to you to say, we conduct consults this way. Here's how you need to do it. And that's what I expect every single time. And in the end, you need to be working X number of hours or generate X amount of revenue. So as the employer, you have control over how they do things as well as the results. When you're working with contractors, you only have control over the result. So if your agreement says you owe us X amount per month or X amount per session or however you do your, you know, your pay scale, that's the only thing that matters. So if they walk into your club and they wear clothes that you maybe wouldn't normally agree with, or if they do programming that you normally wouldn't agree with, or the way they conduct their consultations, you don't really have a say in those things. So what happens is other people to bring on as contractors because at least in Canada, you know, it's different the way you have to pay your taxes and stuff like that. Sometimes it can be easier to bring on a contractor, but in the eyes of the government, and again, I'll just talk for Canada because that's what I know for sure. And you can add the U S stuff, but in Canada, if you have a contractor, but that person wears a t-shirt that says your company name on it in the eyes of the government, that person is an employee. So you've just got to be careful with what you really expect of that person and what you're looking for when you decide which one's which. And to be honest, most people are actually hiring employees even when they think they're hiring contractors. Right. So if you do have independent contractors, what is some of the ways you can indoctrinate them into what the culture is of the gym and not say have full control over them? But how can you as an employer – try to in, indoctrinate them into what your culture is and what your business stands for. Sure. I think you can still have some basic expectations, you know, that it's kept clean, 
that it's opened and closed in a certain way, like things that um, matter to actual physics itself. So those things I think will be acceptable to include. Um, but the culture fit in terms of how they take care of their clients or their programming and stuff like that, those are things you could find out in the interview. Um, you know, you might ask them to do a consultation on you to see how they do it. Or you might ask them um, to show you how they teach somebody how to do the exercises, just so you can get an idea and a, and a feel for them to make sure that, excuse me, that you think they do fit in your, in your style. Um, but at the end of the day, just remember that it's a lot tougher to go back to somebody who's a contractor. And it's not to say that you, that you can't, you know, let them go or change what the, what the situation is, but it can be tougher. Right. So there's the, basically there's a fine line between what's classified as an employee and what's classified as an independent contractor. There is. And ultimately it's up to the business owner to decide which is going to fit best within their business and what's going to fall within the parameters of what the laws are. Exactly. So I would just, as a side note, just make sure to connect with your local government in your province or your state and make sure that you're following what's going on near you. Awesome. Now, um, like I said, we've covered a ton in this interview. Jody. you've provided tons of value to the listeners, and I want to really thank you yeah. uh, for all of your time that you've uh, given us. I know that you're very busy. Um, I want to yeah. let the audience know, um, you know how they can connect with you, how can they learn more about what you have to offer. Yeah, absolutely. So at this point, you know, I'm doing fitness business consulting. I'm working with different clubs and studios um, in Canada and in the U.S. to help them really maximize their business and you know, help them hire and help them figure out how to create all those systems to, to make things work on, on autopilot. Um, the best way to reach me would be either on my website, jodyrumack.com, um, which I think you're going to put in the show notes, yes? yes absolutely. So people will be able to see. And, um, or the other is I have a new ebook out right now. That's about building your six figure personal training business. So if you guys want to grab that, you can also do that. Um, just jodyrumack.com forward slash multi dash six fig F I G. So that will be in the show notes as well in case you didn't catch it. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, those are probably the two best places or on Facebook. If you want to grab me on Facebook, that's cool too. And, uh, yeah, we can go from there. Awesome. Again, uh, Jody, I want to thank you for your time and all of the value you've provided the audience and all of the notes, the books, and all of Jody's links to her website I'm going to include in the show notes. So um, once you guys listen to this podcast, head over to fitprobusiness.com and find this interview and all of those links will be there for you. Beautiful. Thanks a lot, Jody. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of your day. Please head over to fitprobusiness.com backslash iTunes and leave a review. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Fit Pro Business Podcast with your host, Andy Salazar. Don't forget to visit fitprobusiness.com to receive your free business building video series.